Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and let me just say it feels good to be back. And luckily, it's just in time for the offseason, which means it's finally draft season. Draft season is here. It's upon us. And to celebrate draft season, we're going to discuss the Deshaun Watson rumors, which quarterback, draft prospect, best fits Kyle Shanahan's system and what the Niners want to do on offense, and the one trade that makes sense for San Francisco this offseason. Joining us today, you might know him as a member of the 49ers Outsiders on Twitter, it's Adam P. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Let's talk about the 49ers with some housekeeping to begin today's show. Let's first start off, Robert Sala to the Jets. Niners get two third-round picks, one in 2021, one in 2022, as a comp pick for the NFL's new minority rule. My question to you is, one, what does him leaving San Francisco mean to this defense? And two, is he the right man for the job to turn the New York Jets into a contender? I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Thank you so much, by the way, for having me on. I appreciate the love. Um, as far as as far as getting into it with Sala, I mean, obviously we know he's done a great job. Um, what I do love, the fact about our defense is, in my opinion, it is it is not the hardest defense to learn. Obviously, it's, you know, and it works very well. Um, so I, th- I think it's it's just it's not as harder I think for guys to kind of play better along the scheme. You know, it's a, it's a little more of a simplified scheme. So guys tend to you know are able to play a little faster and everything that comes with that. I do kind of think that John Lynch kind of helps behind the scenes, kind of like as a co-defensive coordinator. That's just my own kind of personal thoughts and opinion. I I don't know if there's any truth to that whatsoever, but I mean he him being a defensive guy. Um, knowing zone coverages and all running the Tampa two when he was with the Bucks. I mean, I, I, I just can't see him behind the scenes, just not helping out at all. So, uh, so I do feel pretty good, obviously about John Lynch, um, being able to help out Ryan's behind the scenes. Um, I've been on rec. I know, obviously I'm sure Kyle Shanahan helps with defensive game planning a little bit as well. Obviously if you can outbeat, out scheme the defense, you're probably very able to help somebody on um, a defensive coach, somebody like Ryan's to be able to, you know, put together a little better game plan. And um, so I, I've been also on record. I would really love to hire an ex defensive coordinator, kind of like what we did with Joe Woods in 2019, which, you know, we hired him as a pass game coordinator. Um, I think that really helped out Robert saw a lot. So I would really love to have an experienced ex defensive coordinator to be able to help out Ryan's a little bit kind of as a pass uh, game specialist or whatnot. Obviously, Ryan's being an ex-NFL linebacker, you, you'd think it'd be pretty solid with the front seven or whatnot. So um, that's my take as far as uh, what Rob Asado means to the 49ers. Obviously, wish the best of luck. Is he the right man for the Jets? I mean, I I know he's going to bring good structure, leadership, and, and all that fun stuff when it comes to there. I don't feel that great about him bringing Michael Fuller as a first-time offensive coordinator. Um I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm confident like he's going to be the Jets head coach in the next 10 years. Um, you know, not hating against the guy. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I also don't think the Jets were the best positional landing spot. I know they have, you know, the second overall pick and a good amount of cast space and all that, but I, I'm just not sure. I, time will literally be able to tell on that one. I know there's going to be a lot of bumps on the road the first couple of years, but is he going to be able to sustain um, – that tough two-year road probably until maybe they're in contention where they're able to fight for a playoff spot. We know how tough New York is to to play in and coach in. The media there is 
probably not as bad as it is in uh in many other places but you know you're playing in california the media here is pretty big presence going to new york it's a whole other animal there in new york but the best of luck to robert sala with the jets hopefully whatever they do with the number two overall pick whether it's taking a quarterback or maybe trading for deshaun watson which you will get into later uh, whatever he seems to do up there hopefully it does the right thing to get them on track uh, but one coach you mentioned Demeco ryan's he doesn't have the opportunity to take a year to to learn and understand. Like he has to come right in to this scheme, to this team, which he's been here for a while, coaching the linebackers, Fred Warner, Greenlaw, even Quan Alexander. Like he's coached arguably the best position uh, group on the defense since he's been here, and we've seen the players like Warner and Greenlaw grow under him. So I have full confidence in him to to come into this defensive coordinator role and succeed. But someone like Demeco Ryans, who obviously has the ear of the linebackers and has been a huge impact on this defense, uh, what do you make of the Demeco Ryans hiring to be our new defensive coordinator in San Francisco? I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind, I would like to think that a lot of other people would think the same. It's just simply continuity. Um, you know, not not changing. I mean, he he has a blueprint and everything. What we need to do. Um, obviously, lucky for him, he's going to be getting back a fair amount of players. I mean, obviously, most important, Nick Bosa. Which he's been in a little involved in a Deshaun Watson trade. Remember that's a that's a different story, I guess. For <laughs> um, but God knows who missed him, and obviously we all know. I mean, the guy was a number two defensive player of the year candidate before heading into the season. So, I mean, getting him back will be obviously huge for the front seven, and obviously which helps out the pat with the secondary. Excuse me. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I just don't know how 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 knowledge and i know that's a it's probably a stupid word to use because you know guy being a pro bowl player and, and obviously you know being a coach for x amount of years now i just don't feel as confident with the secondary I mean, once again the, the scheme is it's a pretty simple scheme i think we'll be just fine like i said i would love to hire an next defensive coordinator to to kind of help him out and grow into the role some i mean lucky for robert sala when he was first hired and didn't have defensive coordinator experience you know we were obviously in a full rebuild type of situation so he did have you know, I guess the time to kind of grow on the job. I mean, he literally was growing this first th- two years, you know what I mean? Before they took it, before taking off in 2019. So I just am a little worried about the secondary. Um, but I think, I think he will be solid overall. I think he is pretty much, I mean, uh, he didn't get promoted for, for fun. So I would like to think they think he's ready and, and, and we'll see, we'll get him some help or that, or he's, he's truly good to go. Is there a name in mind of someone you might want to go out and grab to kind of help transition Ryan's in to being the defensive coordinator? Or would you like to just want San Francisco to find, whether it's a secondary coach or someone to bring in, whether it's a generic name or someone big, to kind of help ease him along from going to a linebacker's coach to now he's got the whole entire defense at his disposal? Like, is there someone you look at and say they might be a candidate to bring in to help Ryan's? The first, the first, I made a list. Uh, I pretty much made a list right before D'Amico actually got promoted defensive coordinator. When it looked like Robert Saul was leaving, I made a list of uh, defensive coordinators, ex-defensive coordinators that are available. But the first person that comes to mind, it's uh, he, you know, Pete Carroll kind of guy. He was with the Cowboys, I believe. He took last year off, is what I read, if I'm not mistaken. But Chris Richard is the first guy I think of. He actually was Dallas's passing coordinator two years ago. You know, under the Pete Carroll coaching tree, like I said, so he he has experience with the scheme and everything. I think he would be a perfect complement um, to D'Amico Ryan to be like the pass game coordinator slash co defensive coordinator. That's the first guy that kind of comes to mind. 
Let's move over to the front office here. We talked about the moves on the coaching staff. There's kind of a big front office shakeup this year. There's rumors Adam Peters was leaving to Carolina. Uh, That didn't end up happening, which to a certain fan's perspective, thank God it didn't happen. Um, But Martin Mayhew left uh, for the Washington football team. He was a Niners VP of player personnel for the last few years. He's now going to be uh, Washington's new general manager. Again, San Francisco will also receive a third-round pick in 2023 as a comp pick for him. So the Niners racked up three, I don't want to say free, but three free third-round picks for the next three seasons, which I think is a phenomenal thing to do. Obviously, you can agree or disagree with minority rule, yes or no, but but that's the way it is. And the Niners are arguably, I think they are actually one of the first teams to benefit from this new rule. But I think one connection I want to make here, and this might... Uh, might narrow the quarterback market for San Francisco, and that's Mayhew was the GM in Detroit when they drafted Matthew Stafford. And so now there is somewhat of a connection between the Washington football team needing a quarterback, maybe a franchise guy to help Rivera. They were a playoff team this year, and they play in a pretty crappy NFC East. Now, granted, injuries uh, depleted Dallas, but that division is awful, obviously the worst in the NFL by far, but... When I, when I look at Mayhew and I can see, okay, well, if you take Stafford and put him on Washington, he's, I don't want to take a jab at Alex Smith, but he is by far a better quarterback than Alex Smith is at this current date and time in his career. Um, do you think that could be a connection? And, and and what do you make of Mayhew's departure from San Francisco? Um, like I think you pretty much nailed it. I mean, thank God Adam Peters is still around. I mean, it, it, can you imagine if we lost Adam Peters and Mark Mayhew? In the same off season, and honestly, we all know this is a huge upcoming year for us to, you know, to to be able to bounce back and, uh, you know, make another run at the playoffs again. So it meant losing both those guys would have been kind of devastating in such in in a year um, where once again I feel like we just have to absolutely nail this draft. We all know we're tight on some, well, we're tight on cap space. I believe we have twenty twenty five million. You probably know a little better than I do, and we can cut a couple guys, you know, like Richburg, and we'll see what happens with D Ford. Um, you know, Jimmy could, I don't think Jimmy would ever be cut no matter if we did bring in someone else, but you know, we, we can still create more, more salary cap spaces. That's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, so as far as, as far as him, uh, as far as Stafford being a possible option with the Redskins, um, excuse me, the Washington football team. I'm not quite sure. I mean, it, it just, just as I'm intrigued by Matthew Stafford, if the, if the Lions cut, I'm sorry, if the Lions trade him, they would take on. A, a fair amount in dead money. I think like thirty something million, if I'm not mistaken, or, or twenty to thirty million, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't, I don't see Matthew Stafford going anywhere. I don't think that would be a, a smart move um, for them to to go ahead and trade him. But you never know if the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, there was reports that Stafford wanted out today. Obviously, you know, there's plenty of smoke and mirrors out there. It is draft season. It is the off season. Um, but. From what I've heard, I think it was Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast, who we had on uh, during last offseason, who's a phenomenal uh, podcast host and a great guy out there. He mentioned that Mayhew uh, was in charge of kind of free agency and the, and the NFL moves they made. So a trade for D Ford uh, and Peters was kind of the, the college guy uh, that was in charge of kind of in the front office with Lynch overseeing everything. So... I'm not going to take a jab at Mayhew. I don't know him really at all. I don't know if he was the one directly making those trades, but from what I've heard and and what I've been told, he kind of was the one that was scouting possible trades for San Francisco. And 
unfortunately, you can look at the track record of the trades they've made in the past couple years and say, well, maybe trading for G Ford was a mistake and Richburg and all that stuff. But um, so all, all that to say, it might be a blessing in disguise, but congrats to him in Washington. I hope he does a phenomenal job there. Uh, whoever the quarterback is, Ron Rivera is a wonderful head coach, but we have to get to a player who literally poured gasoline, kerosene, lit a fire all over Niners Twitter um, a few days ago, and that's Jarek McKinnon. Now, we know the story of Jarek McKinnon. He comes in, a huge contract uh, for San Francisco, really was unproven from Minnesota, but he took over for Adrian Peterson when he tore his ACL, had a pretty good year a few years back. Um, but on the last play of practice, tears his ACL uh, in 2018. Then in 2019, gets hurt again, has to have another surgery to kind of fix him up, and hasn't really been healthy. Last year, obviously, came in, uh, showed some signs of kind of burst early against the Jets, had a big game, but then all of a sudden just fell off around week seven against the Patriots. Um, but he made comments uh, on Debo on, on on Instagram Live with Debo Samuel. When Debo asked him if he's coming back next year, and his response is, well, I won't say the first word, was kind of F no, uh, on to the next city. Now, they both laughed at it, and uh, to a certain point, I get it. He probably knew the writing was on the wall. He wasn't playing much later in the year. Like, he knew he was done. Like, once he moved, the, uh, once he restructured and the cap hit was lowered, he was going to be gone if he didn't prove himself. He didn't prove himself. He knows it. We all knew it. Uh, and... There are a group of Niner fans who are grateful he's gone, and I'm happy he'll no longer be on the cap, but but hope he's healthy and everything and, and can prove himself elsewhere. But but Niner fans didn't like that response. Kind of like, we're, we're kind of the only reason why you had a job last year because no one else would have take, uh, uh, taken you due to your injuries. What did you make of McKinnon's uh, uh, words saying F no onto the next city that we're turning to San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it again, my man. I mean, it definitely seems like he knows the writing is on the wall. I mean, I think that the Niner fans that are mad, it's like you kind of, you know, earned this X amount of money for not playing that many. I mean, he literally in his entire time with San Francisco, which was last year, because last year was the only time he actually played in the three years, which the four Niners paid him, he played 372 snaps. So that's how many snaps he paid. He played last year and that, or his entire three-year tenure with the Four Niners. I guess fans would want him to be a little more, you know, politically correct and try to be a little more open about like, you know, for example, what about if the Four Niners were desperate, he doesn't have a job and we're offering him a vet minimum contract. You know, he, he, he was still saying no. So I understand. He sounds like he's definitely a little salty. Um, because it was times last year, remember? I mean, like someone went down. And it's like, why the hell is Jerry McKinnon on the game? And then we ended up going with Hasty or or somebody else. So I definitely kind of feel his frustration. I agree with you. I did see some bursts from him at one time, and then you hear later, you know, he has tired legs. That's why he wasn't able to go in the game. It kind of sounded like because it's like you have dead legs when you haven't even played that much. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. So, um, so yeah, I, I think he just he just wants to move on. But once again, it's you know they say just don't burn your bridges or anything. So I don't know why he would say if no. Do you know what time the the IG live was on? I'm not sure. I was at work when it happened, so I'm going to assume it was around you know 4 p.m. Pacific time, maybe 3 p.m. when it happened. I know as soon as it did, Niners Twitter threw a fit, and and it was it was hilarious looking from the outside in because I'm not someone who's very emotional and gets into that stuff, but. But man, man, will I say Niners Twitter was something else when he when he went off on them uh, on 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 IG Live. 
That's funny. The reason why I asked is like, because if it was at nighttime, it'd be like, you know, maybe there's some alcohol involved, but shit, he could have been drinking <laughs> at 4 p.m. anyway. So you, so you never know what's on his mind. But once again, they say don't burn bridges. If the 49ers were really desperate next year for whatever reason, you know, they need a camp body, he doesn't have a job. If the 49ers offered you a, a minimum contract, you would say no. You probably want to say F no then. So I don't know. He, he, he played it a little immaturely, I guess you can say. Um, but yeah, you, you can simply never say never. And as far as now, do the 49ers, if the 49ers did need a camp body and Jerry McKinnon was available, um, would they call him now? Who knows? Maybe maybe he just shut his own door too at the same time. So thank you for your time, Jerry McKinnon, for not doing that much. <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do too, I guess. Well, McKinnon may be an, an example of what not to do on social media. Uh, another player who has been pretty vocal on social media, posting some cryptic future tweets, and someone who seems to want to burn the bridge in Houston, that's Deshaun Watson, um, there are reports that he's hes never going to play another down in Houston again. Like, he's that adamant of getting out of Houston. And let's transition here into the Deshaun Watson conversation. Now, to me, when I look at this whole conversation of, like, let's get Deshaun Watson, there's so many aspects, so many angles to look at things. Um, and one of them was when I was working at 957 The Game, uh, Whitey Gleason and Nick Ferdell were talking about this, and they wanted to know what Kyle Shanahan had said uh, in 2017 about, you know, Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky. Like, what, what were his thoughts on Deshaun Watson um, pre- and post-draft? And uh, a couple of things stood out to me when I read the article uh, from 2017. It was that, the one, the reason why he had... Uh, uh, chose to take the job in Atlanta to be the offensive coordinator was he wanted the pure passer. And uh, the two quarterbacks he listed, one was Matt Ryan, who we know won the MVP, but the other one was the elitist quarterback of all time, Joe Flacco, which at a certain point kind of makes you wonder what the heck Kyle Shanahan's thinking and, and what kind of quarterback he wants. But the other thought he said was that Mahomes, Watson, and Trubisky, he didn't think any of these guys were slam dunk quarterbacks coming out of the draft now obviously three years ago things change like your perception of a quarterback changes and hopefully for Shanahan's sake it has but Niners fans when they look at this they of course they have quarterback envy they jumped all over this from you know from what I've heard in regards to Deshaun Watson rumors that there has not been an, an initial offer made to Houston Nick Bosa is not involved in any deal going to the Texans but from what I've heard, the Niners, just like they did with Tom Brady, are expected to look into a Deshaun Watson trade, and, and, and if the deal works out, hopefully, possibly pry him away from Houston. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is a possibility that Deshaun Watson could end up in San Francisco, and hopefully Nick Bosa isn't in that deal and likely isn't in that deal. But Adam, uh, do you buy any of the reports of Deshaun Watson going to San Francisco and what would acquiring Deshaun Watson give to the Niners they don't have now? He turns 26 September 14th. So, so right around week one, week two, give or take. So my, my mind goes through, and I think 49er fans' mind should be as well. This guy, and with today's NFL rules, I mean, you're seeing Tom Brady play at 43, but this guy can be part of your franchise possibly for the next 15, 16 seasons. Um, so that's what kind of investment or, you know, the, that's what kind of return the 49ers could possibly get if they were to trade for him. As far as if I may uh, rewind a little bit, so as far as the 2017 draft, just just to kind of clear the record, 
I think Kyle Shanahan, and, and it's been widely reported that I thought we were pretty much, we were all waiting in 2018 to pretty much sign Kirk Cousins for free and free agency. I think that's why he overlooked the entire 2017 quarterback class is because he knew we had Kirk Cousins in the bag. And then essentially we went and messed around and traded for Jimmy. And and, and that's kind of all she wrote there. So I'm not definitely not giving him a pass for overlooking the 2017 quarterbacks. I just think he was so dead set on getting Kirk Cousins for free the following year and plugging and playing him in the system where, once again, he just simply uh, overlooked that one. And now as far as Deshaun Watson goes, I mean, there's no way in blue hell like you brought up Tom Brady. Tom Brady wanted to come to the 49ers last season. I mean, he wasn't on record saying that was my number one destination, but we were perfectly set up, and I still think we're perfectly set up to be the number one landing spot for any quarterback, either free agency trade or draft, in my opinion. Um, I think we're definitely set up the best. We have all our weapons. You know, we're going to get healthier back next season. We're going to get healthier again next season. Have a bunch of guys coming off of the end of reserve. So I think we're perfectly set up for Deshaun Watson. Um, now, what would now the, the tricky part is it hasn't. It's actually not even officially the new the new league year unless your unless your team is kind of sent home. But still, you kind of have to wait um, until at least a combine. That was a beautiful thing in the past. That's kind of how the Alex Smith uh, trade happened from you know when he got traded from the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. It was actually the top secure to the combine. So it sucks that that's where my mind was at. It sucks that the GMs won't be able to literally go shake hands and, and shoot the ish about possibly you know, um, taking a, you know, possible trade possibility to another level by being able to actually discuss and communicate that in person. Um, but yeah, we, we still have to wait. Now, what would it take for actually to get done? I mean, he needs to, in my opinion, he needs to go full James Harden soon and literally say he does not want to be there and all that. Why is he, I mean, I know he hasn't said, you know, he's made a little comment, like some things never change because he wasn't involved in the process of hiring the GM and whatnot, but he needs to literally come out and force his way out and say, literally, that's what I would do is it's pretty much 49ers or bust because he has a no trade clause. He gets to decide where he wants to go. So it's not about so it might even not come down to who who's the highest bidder whatsoever. Like if he tells the Texans to 49ers or nothing, that mean, then that, then that's just what it is. And I'm not going to report to you guys Houston or nothing. I mean, he would put them in a very hard situation. The problem is um, what we're willing to give up and be. I think that we got to play it pretty low key because then you don't want to come out and say you're full blown and trade discussions for Deshaun Watson because then what happens with Jimmy? You know what would happen if you know if the trade the Watson trade doesn't go through, and then and then you know Jimmy comes back next year. I mean you you don't probably want that kind of circulating around where it's like yeah you're our guy like Kyle said, and then you go and try to mess around and try to trade for Deshaun Watson, and then you pretty much that doesn't go through, and then you're kind of stuck with Jimmy. So I think it's a it's going to be an interesting scenario, but I think first things first, yeah, I think I think he's supposed to wait. I don't want to say if he wants to come to the 49ers or 49ers only. Uh, once again, Nick Casario, their new GM, does know Jimmy Garoppolo. He was there when Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted. So so Jimmy can be possibly, and, and Jimmy has a no-trade clause too, ironically. So he could say, no, I don't want to go there, but it could possibly work when you do Jimmy and picks. I mean, I've said this. I don't know how your personal opinion is. I would easily give up three first-round picks and Jimmy. Once again, if you're possibly going to have somebody for the next 15, 16 plus seasons, I mean, I think I think it's I think you just pull the trigger. I mean, I, I call me a little crazy. I might even give up four first round picks. I know that sounds wild, but they're going to be future picks. They won't be worth as much if we win freaking one or even two Super Bowls. I mean, that's a, the four the four first round picks would mean absolutely nothing. So um, that's how highly much I think of Deshaun Watson, though, to be honest with you. And we haven't even seen him in a scheme like this with. 
with Kyle Shanahan actually at the helm calling plays. I mean, if my if Matt Ryan was MVP, which I really do like Matt Ryan, if Matt Ryan was MVP, I know they had Julio Jones and stuff like that, but we, you know, we, our surrounding cast is pretty damn good. He most are in our run game, but if he was able to make Matt Ryan look like an MVP, I mean, sky's the limit with Deshaun Watson in San Francisco, in my opinion. It's kind of a twofold question for you, and looking at the way that you said you give up four first round draft picks, probably at the most, I'm assuming. But the way I look, the way I look at it is, is that if you get Deshaun Watson, if if he does say, sorry to interrupt you there, but you won't have to give up four first round picks if he says San Francisco or a bust, because then what does Houston do? You know what I mean? At that point, it would be Deshaun Watson almost giving the Niners all the leverage, which would be great um, because it would make a deal a lot easier and they wouldn't have to part with someone like a Nick Bosa or a Fred Warner, which those guys are not in any deals, no rumors out there. But like it, it, it would take away the need for them to get rid of a big-name player or to get rid of four or five, three first-round draft picks. It will give them all the leverage. But the way I look at the Deshaun Watson trade rumors is kind of twofold. One... If you're getting Deshaun Watson in this scheme with this talented defense and not having to give up a player like Bo Sarah Warner or even a Debo to a certain extent, and you're just replacing Watson for Jimmy Garoppolo, just, let's just say that's all it is, you're likely going to be picking somewhere between 25 and 32. Now, to a certain point, you don't have to hit, and the likelihood of you hitting on 25 and 32 is pretty slim knowing you're missing out on obviously the top 10 talented guys in the draft. It's not about how you hit in the first round. And knowing how hard of a time or how ill-equipped this Niners front office has been about hitting first-round draft picks like Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster, Mike McGlinchey, the list can go on and on and on, that at a certain point, it might be the best move going forward knowing it takes all the pressure off of having to hit on the first-round draft pick every single year in April, knowing you're going to be in the playoffs consistently. Now, on the flip side, let's look at Deshaun Watson's cap hit. And we were talking about it prior to going on uh, the podcast, but it's around 16 mil, 15.9 next season, which would obviously save you around $10 million uh, when you just flip Garoppolo and Watson. So there you're saying, wow, I'm saving $12 million upgrading at quarterback. I eliminate the need of having to draft a quarterback in the first round. Obviously, you wouldn't have that first round pick any longer. Now you can fill the holes on the offensive line. You can draft an edge rusher. And you're still going to have roughly, uh, I don't want to say nine picks. You'll probably have around seven picks left to work with in 2021. Meaning, you can literally fill every single hole on your team and go for it in 2021. And I think if you told every Niner fan that's the plan, they'll sign up for that. But when you look at it past 2021, that's when things get tricky. That's when you see a 2022 cap hit of $40 million. In 2023, a cap hit of $42 million. Now, he has the opt-out in 2024, but if he stays in 2024, that's still $37 million, $32 million in 2025. All this to say that Niner fans are complaining about Jimmy Garoppolo making $26 million next year, and I understand it. There's availability issues, health problems, and at sometimes inconsistencies in decision-making. But if they're complaining about $40 million uh, in 2022 or $24 million this year, what are they going to do if, in case, Deshaun Watson doesn't win a Super Bowl? What are they going to do in case this team falters in 2022 and 2023 and they don't get there? Now, of course, you can point fingers here and there, but Niners Twitter is so volatile, and this fan base is so Super Bowl hungry, like any franchise fans should be, that it could turn ugly real quick, and that it won't have anything to do with Deshaun Watson, won't have 
anything to do with Kyle Shanahan. It's just the case of you're complaining now at a quarterback who got you to a Super Bowl, arguably wasn't the reason why you got there, but played a part in it. And you want to trade for a franchise guy, give up four picks of the future, get rid of the quarterback who got you to where you were one year ago, granted two years ago now, and the possibility of you getting there might be higher, but if you fail, the consequences are ten times worse. Yeah, I, I totally hear you on that. I mean, it's, I mean, I personally, I mean, $40 million is it's just what it is. I mean, I'm also a believer in, you know, if you want great good vodka, sometimes you, you spend you're cheaper in certain areas so you can go out and still enjoy your Grey Goose Vodka. So so, so Deshaun Watson is essentially my Grey Goose Vodka where I would gladly save in certain other areas so I can go ahead and pay him $40 million. I mean, like I said, I kind of see him too as like a Russell Wilson. I mean, God forbid our roster kind of goes back to a thinning point. But I guess like Russell Wilson is a perfect example of even if his surrounding class is not that great, the Steelers are not that strong. They're in the damn playoffs every single year. I think that's what Deshaun Watson would do for the 49ers plus them. I mean, I guarantee if the 49ers trade for Deshaun Watson, do you think we're winning a Super Bowl? I would assume with the talent around him and being how talented he is, the likelihood of them winning a Super Bowl is pretty damn high. I mean, how many Super Bowls do you think he could he could win possibly with the 49ers if he stays the next 14 seasons? Let's say we do make the trade. He's here for 14 years with Kyle Shanahan. And, and they're married for 14 years. Do you think we could win multiple Super Bowls in 14 seasons if they're still pouring out of shape for Deshaun Watson? Well, I'm not going to go ahead and say 14 years. Let's just look at his current contract because that's what we would be acquiring from him. It'd be around five, five, six seasons to win a ring. At that point, I'm not, I'm not going to go full LeBron James and say one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to say out of those five seasons, they will have probably top five odds every five, uh, every season of the five. And in one of those five seasons, likely end on top of the NFL as Super Bowl champions at least once. Let's just say you do have to give up three or even crazily four first-round picks. Let's just say, let's just say, in this hypothetical scenario, would you trade four first-round picks for one Super Bowl in five years? I think any fan would. The whole point is winning. You have to win. That's the big thing about Garoppolo. People love Garoppolo because he's a winner. And if you can give, and you can give Niner fans someone who's a winner, but that doesn't just win enough that can win it all and more. I think anybody would sign up for that, including myself. So what is your max that you'd be willing to offer with for Watson? And where's the fine line of, all right, screw it. Actually, where do you actually stand with the quarterback? Are you team Are you team Watson? Are you team stick with Garoppolo? Or are you team trade up for it? Because I'm also very intrigued. You know, we talked about this before the show. I'm also very intrigued to go the huge ceiling, cheaper trade up for a quarterback option. You know, with our with our with our with our surrounding talent and our run game, I think a rookie can actually. And there's not, I heard there's not going to be as much an off season um, again, unfortunately, this year. So that might make it a little tough. I mean, look at Justin Herbert though; he's he was actually asked to do a lot more and actually got it done. I mean, he's a stud. But are you? We talked about this trading up for a quarterback to the possibly fourth, fifth spot. The quarterback would cost give or take. I looked up last year's contracts, like Tua's cap hit last season, who's a fifth overall pick, was five and a half million. Let's just say it's six million. Would you? Uh, what what actual bandwagon are you on right now? And are you also very intrigued to trade up for a quarterback and then say trading Jimmy for you know say a third or whatnot? And so you save twenty million dollars, get a possibly a third for Jimmy, and, and and try to and put that money to the rest of the t- to the actual roster. It's funny you ask that question because a lot of people want to know where I'm at. Usually I troll on Twitter, give me Mac Jones, give me Garoppolo, whoever it is. In all honesty, if we bring back Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021, 
and we don't draft a quarterback and don't trade for Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, I am 1,000% sold in. I think he can get us to the promised land. I think he can win a Super Bowl. Now, there are limitations that come with it. So if Garoppolo's there, I'm perfectly fine with him. I mean, he could have been a Super Bowl easily winner already right now. And then how, how funny and how much different would the discussions go if Jimmy Garoppolo did have a ring on his finger? Well, that's the thing. I think if Garoppolo, let's say he hits that throw, or let's say that throw doesn't even have to exist to Emmanuel Sanders, and Garoppolo holds on to a 10-point lead, they actually run the frickin' football in the fourth quarter, they milk the clock, they get the dub, whether it's by 3 points, whether it's by 10 points, whether it's by 14 points, this conversation isn't even being had. Which is the crazy thing. One throw changes the entire course of history. But we've seen this in many franchises. Whether it's Andrew Luck being hurt, losing in Kansas City. Like, you can look everywhere you want to. Carson Wentz hasn't been the same since Nick Foles stepped in. Like, there, there are Patrick Mahomes coming in and lighting it up uh, late uh, in the season while Alex Smith was still there taking over the next year. Like, we've seen this many times. And the door is open now for San Francisco to make a move. And I, and I said this plenty of times on this pod on Twitter. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants other than Kyle Shanahan. And we can sit here all day and say, like, well, Deshaun Watson's the better fit. Deshaun Watson does this and that. Garoppolo can do this. Zach Wilson can do that. It doesn't matter. All that matters at the end of the day is that Kyle Shanahan didn't get his guy in 2018. He wanted Kirk Cousins. This is the most important offseason in the Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco. If he gets his guy and it fails, then we can see then there's a problem. Kyle Shanahan can't do it with a Kirk Cousins or a Mac Jones. Now, I like Mac Jones as a second-round pick. I'm not against trading up for a quarterback like Zach Wilson. In fact, my mock draft came out yesterday, 1.0. I had the Niners trading up with Detroit at number 7, taking Zach Wilson. That's what I think is the best move. Now, I wouldn't give up four first-round draft picks for Zach Wilson and unproven talent. But when you see Deshaun Watson out there, who was the number one statistical quarterback in the NFL this year, and the only reason why he wasn't in the MVP conversation was because his team was god-awful around him with no head coach, a brand new GM, a front office that's dysfunctional, my mind goes to, if you bring that guy to San Francisco under a competent GM, a competent head coach, a, a, a probably a top-five roster all around him, I mean, the sky is the limit. So, but it doesn't matter what they do, though. If it's Watson, Wilson, Jones, Garoppolo, I'm 100,000% in. But if it fails, then we can know what the problem is. And at that point, it would be Kyle Shanahan. Do you think we would still keep Jimmy Garoppolo if we traded up for, for Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, say, at number five, six, seven, or even if we – because, yeah, I guess if you don't mind, answer that question, and then I got a mini follow-up one. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo would still be on the roster as Zach Wilson or Justin Fields are, are uh, drafted by the 49ers? When you look at how the Niners roster is constructed, they can free up cap space by getting rid of D. Ford and Richburg, which would give them somewhere around $30 million to work with. I've heard the cap might be closer to, or the salary cap might be closer to 180, maybe 185 this year. Uh, Brendan McManus said that, the ex punter, kicker for the Broncos. Um, so it could be higher than $175 million, which obviously helps us a lot. Um, so when it comes to the roster construction, having to re-sign Trent Williams, having to re-sign Jason Verrett, retaining those guys would be the only reason why you would even cut Garoppolo. Of we value these guys more and think we can still win with the Zach Wilson or Mac Jones. But if you're drafting a Mac Jones in the second round, I think Garoppolo has to stay. But if you're drafting a guy number seven, number twelve overall, I think to a certain point, 
you're at that point admitting to Garoppolo you're not the guy. But the issue is then all of his trade value goes out of the window because teams know he isn't the guy now. So why are they going to trade for him? Like Trade the, Trent Brown style. You know, we, we take exactly. a quarterback and trade him by the end of the draft type of deal. Again, like I said, this is the most pivotal and important offseason in the Kyle Shanahan era. Like, he has to get this right. They John Lynch has to get this right. Because if it doesn't, we could still be a playoff team. We could still be a Super Bowl team next year if Garoppolo's still there. The issue is that if Garoppolo's gone and this fan base is relying on a rookie to win and the rookie doesn't win. Now, of course, someone like myself, and I'm sure like yours as well, would give the rookie two to three years to kind of uh, grow in the NFL. But the Niner fan base, who at a certain point has bloodlust for quarterbacks, they're not going to take that. They're going to say, you just jettisoned this guy off Garoppolo who brought us to where we wanted to be, had us nine and a half minutes away from where we thought we were going to be, and now he's gone because he had you know one bad year of injuries like the entire rest of the team did. Like He didn't even give this guy another chance. So if you're asking me, should Garoppolo stay if you draft a guy 7 or 12, uh, I don't think he can. But the problem is, is that he might have to just because the trade value is gone, and you might only get a third-round pick for him or a fourth-round pick for him depending on who you're asking. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just a difficult situation because, like, you know, the part of me thinks, I mean, if you can shed that $26 million replacing with a $6 million rookie and able to put that $20 million, let's just say that $20 million play, pays for Trent Williams right then and there. I mean, that, that's pretty that's pretty significant. But, I mean, I, I also think about, too, the Shanahans, even though they didn't want Robert Griffin, they made freaking Robert Griffin his rookie year look freaking all-world, if I'm not mistaken. They actually won their first playoff game or they lost to the Seahawks in the first game. But regardless, still went to the playoffs with, with Robert Griffin. And so with with the run game and, and, and surrounding cast and obviously Kyle, Kyle Shanahan doing his thing, if he trades it for a quarterback, I think Jimmy is gone. Um, just for the simple fact, I think he would I think Shanny would think that he could be able to get solid results. He's comfortable with with the rookie. And then you just pray to God that we are in a playoff position and that rookie is essentially ready going into the playoffs to to be the, you know, the wild card joker, you know, kind of like a Kaepernick where. You don't know how far he's going to take us, but obviously something really special is kind of there. So that's where kind of my mind goes. And then I think about someone like Trey Lance. I feel like if you, if you draft Trey Lance or Mac Jones or somebody, I feel like those guys, well, Mac Jones did play in a post-all offense. So I guess more like Trey Lance, I think he'd be way too raw to start as a rookie. So someone like Lance, I think Jimmy does stay. But if you trade up for Fields or Wilson, I feel like Jimmy's possibly gone and you save that money and you put it elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the NFL draft, I think – I think you mentioned Mac Jones and Trey Lance, and, and I like Mac Jones a lot more than I like Trey Lance, just based on the fact that Trey Lance is by far the most raw quarterback that is projected to go inside the top you know, 20 first round uh, in, in the NFL draft. But when I look at Trey Lance, I think he's the perfect fit for Jimmy Garoppolo's chance to stay in San Francisco because he's a quarterback who's going to need a year, maybe a year and a half, depending on what he looks like after his second offseason in the NFL. But he's he's young, he's explosive, but I do think he needs a year to learn the pro-style offense. I'm not going to compare him to Mahomes, obviously, but there's a reason why Mahomes took a year. Like th- th- There are guys who come out a little raw but have the arm talent to make up for it. All the teams too, you know. So not not breaking North Dakota State. God knows what was the North Dakota State's toughest opponent. I mean, the issue is Trey Lance played one game this year and he didn't play amazing in it. Like he's one of these guys where you look at it and you go, like, yeah, you have the arm talents there, uh, but again, I haven't seen you enough 
to to really value him as a top 10 pick or even value him as an instant day one starter. But going to Mac Jones, uh, I think Mac Jones, uh, just of the off the basis of what Kyle Shanahan has shown us, what he likes in the quarterback, shown us what he's even said to us, knowing he wanted Kirk Cousins, uh, to me, Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins 2.0. And if you're asking me in the late first round, early second round, if Mac Jones is still there, you're you're, you're going to tell me that Kyle Shanahan is going to pass on Kirk Cousins 2.0 knowing that's the quarterback he's loved since the day he became a head coach, knowing it's the guy he's loved since he was in Washington. Like, I, I don't buy him passing on Kirk Cousins 2.0 knowing the relationship he has with a guy like him. That's just based off how Kirk Cousins plays the game, how he throws. He, he has a great pocket presence. Now, granted, he played for Alabama, and I understand there's caveats that come with it, but but if you're asking me the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, that might be Mac Jones. But the perfect quarterback for Garoppolo is Trey Lance. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I could see also Shanahan being intrigued by the value of somebody like Jones instead of, say, trading up for a for a Wilson or Fields or even possibly Trey Lance. You know, ironically, we're picking 12th overall, and uh, Deshaun Watson was drafted 12th overall too. The thing I think about Trey Lance, will Trey Lance fall if we don't trade up, obviously? Will, will he fall to number 12? Because I almost feel like we, we've you know seen every year, we, you know, quarterbacks tend to go a little higher than they're supposed to sometimes. So I wonder if we still actually probably going to have to trade up for Trey Lance or Shanahan would be like, you know what, if he's there, he's there. If not, I'm not trading up. I'm sticking right there. I'll take a offensive lineman or edge rusher or something. Then I'll go back later and trade up for Mac, Mac Jones. Like That's well, another scenario that I kind of think about. Well, there's two things that go into that. One, the Niners have always shown the ability or at least the desire to trade back in the draft to give them flexibility to trade back up. Now, again, they have 10 picks this year, which could obviously change that. And they may say, we're going for it. We're getting Zach Wilson. We're going number two. We're getting Fields, whoever it may be. Um, But the other thing that comes with it, I think, at least, is that look at all the quarterbacks that are on the open market this year. Now, not all these guys are starters, but... Watson could get moved. Jameis Winston could be going elsewhere. Tua might get traded depending on where he's going. Uh, Dak Prescott could be on the move. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick could go elsewhere. Andy Dalton. Now, all those guys aren't starters. Matthew Stafford could be out there like Sam Darnold. Like, there are a lot of teams that can trade maybe their project quarterback like a Darnold or could trade their starting quarterback that could easily change the landscape of the top 10. Like, imagine Darnold's gone. What about Tua or Darnold, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I I wouldn't touch Tua, not because he's Alabama guy. I just think, I don't know if he fits Shanahan's scheme the way that he likes to do things. And knowing how, how bad our offensive line was in pass protection last year, uh, especially if you're not bringing back Trent Williams, obviously you would in case uh, you probably cut Garoppolo at that point with Tua coming into town. But I just don't believe that Tua can do the things necessary to get us to where we want to go as a franchise. Now, Darnold... I think if you're trading for Sam Darnold, you're keeping Garoppolo because you want Darnold. You're, you're gonna not. So with Darnold, you're not gonna sign his his or you're not gonna pick up his fifth year option. You're gonna keep him for two years, hopefully on a cheaper deal uh, in his fifth year, and you're gonna let him sit, learn the system, and in in his fifth year, Garoppolo's last year. That's when you make that transition uh, into it. Do I think Darnold can be this wonderful quarterback in the NFL? I don't. To me, my 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 ceiling for him is Carson Palmer. Not only because he looks somewhat like him, but because they play a similar style in the NFL, albeit 
Darnold is much more agile than Palmer ever was. But I that quarterback class is so interesting with Baker and Jackson and Rosen and Darnold. Like honestly, I liked Baker the most because he was a guy who can change a culture. I don't think Sam Darnold changes the culture. Now, granted, he doesn't have to come in and change anything. He can just play quarterback, which is the beauty of playing in San Francisco, which is why any quarterback should want to play here. You don't have to be this this overarching character and change the culture. I think, honestly, if you do rely on your on your quarterback to, to be like the damn head of coach, you probably have some problems going on. I mean, it's, it has to be natural, and and you know what I mean? And, and guys have to literally, you know, I guess kind of look up to you, but if everyone's kind of doing their job, I mean, it doesn't seem to be a problem. You know, once again, Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like is a, is a good example of that, where, you know, he just, he, he's a leader to a certain extent, but he's he's not all this fake rah-rah kind of guy and all this BS, because that's not him. That's actually the, one of the one things I love about Jimmy Garoppolo is he's so authentic to himself. And uh, I think in in a time in the United States in a time in, in even Niner history where we don't always know what Shanahan really means when he says something. We don't always know what Lynch says. You know, we, we saw them say Buckner's the guy, then he's gone. Like, like there are times we can't believe everything we hear from the front office. And I get they're playing the media, you know, they're playing the PR game, but Garoppolo just seems like this mild-mannered guy who wants to come and play football and then go home. Now, he also wants to go bang porn stars. That's his own prerogative. But, um, but again... <laughs> but but again like 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 he's a guy where he almost brings this like calmness you know like and this is probably a, a horrible metaphor but like when you're driving with your father as a little kid and it's dark you can't really see much you, don't, you haven't driven before you're eight years old you can't see the road all you see is the headlights you trust your dad because he brings a calmness to the family in the car like, you trust him with your life to keep you safe that's why I like Jimmy Garoppolo when he hits the field and, and you can see the distinct difference. There's a reason why the record is so different. When he comes on the field, George Kittle calms down. Debo Samuel calms down. Brandon Ayuk calms down. Like the whole offense goes, okay, we're going to be okay. We got this. Jimmy G's out there. He'll take care of us. He knows the system. He's confident in himself. He, he will lower the shoulder if he has to against the Rams or the Patriots. As long as he's healthy, we're going to be okay. Now, that's a big if, but if he's healthy, we're going to be okay. And I think that's why. I won't say that he's going to be back, but I'm currently leaning towards him being back in 2021. Now, that goes against my mock draft, but a lot can change in four months. And and, and I think if if players move like Stafford and, and Prescott and Winston and, and, and Watson and Darnold, there could be a big shift come in April where we're saying Garoppolo's a guy in 2021, we're getting an offensive lineman, we're drafting J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, and we're bringing it back in 2021. Yeah, if you put it, that's my favorite saying to go sometimes, is like, you know, it comes down to, well, what do you think is going to happen? You put a gun to my head, I do think J- Jimmy will be back next season. Um, as much as I'm intrigued while trading for some, like, I would love for Sam Donald to battle Jimmy Garoppolo, even knowing it'll be first year of, it'll be uh, Darnold's first year in the system. So I, I don't really think he would actually be Jimmy Garoppolo. But the problem with that is what we're, we're so cash up. I don't even think you can make a trade to kick the tires on somebody like Sam Darnold's because I think he's a, has a $10 million cap hit this up, up, upcoming year. So with Jimmy, that's $36 million invested at the quarterback position between two different guys. I mean, if you're thinking, Hey, the other teams are paying the quarterback $40 million by themselves. That is true. But, we're just so damn cash-strapped. I feel like if somebody like Darnold would come in, 
it's Jimmy would be on the way out, but you do never know. We've talked so much about trades today. Um, and I have a trade that I think you might like. Now we talked about how the Niners don't have a lot of cap space and, and we'll, we'll end the podcast with this kind of question to you in, in this conversation. And when I look at the Niners this year, uh, again, there's a lot of questions that go into the draft in the offseason. Um, but let's assume the Niners are drafting a quarterback. I know we both said we like Jimmy enough. He might be back next year. We think he'll be back next year. But let's assume the Niners are drafting a quarterback uh, in 2021. Garoppolo gets traded like many Niner fans think he will and should be. That's an instant $24 million added to your cap. Now, that is obviously going to be used to re-sign Trent Williams and Jason Verrett and Jeff Wilson Jr. and, and other guys who are out there currently. But then you add in cutting D Ford and Western Richburg, and you say, okay, now we're somewhere towards $40 million in cap space, roughly, to bring back guys and also add people who we deem can improve this roster. And when I think of people out there who could be on the trade block on, on teams that maybe have to free up space because they are against, you know, kind of the red line of the salary cap. I think of J.J. Watt. Now, he has a $17 million cap hit. You'll obviously have to rework that and get that down somewhat to pry him away from Houston. But if you're asking me who is a player that can come into a team like San Francisco who has lost a ton of leadership, you know, Robert Sala, uh, Mike LaFleur, uh, Martin Mayhew, Richard Sherman. These guys are gone. Uh, Quan Alexander, DeForest Buckner. These guys have been gone. Like, he instantly brings leadership to a team that desperately needs it to a certain point. And not to mention, he's an elite talent that can play across from Nick Bosa. He can mentor Nick Bosa, make him into an elite edge rusher upon heights he maybe, we don't even know he can reach because of the veteran mentorship Walk can have for him. He can also mentor Javon Kinlaw and help Javon Kinlaw grow into the player that is worth the 13th overall pick. And he can easily surpass D Ford in leadership and production on the field. Now, we know the Texans are cap strung. They have to free up space. And I understand getting rid of J.J. Watt might send the Houston area into a, a riot because he means so much to that city. But when the Niners, when, when everyone else is zigging, the Niners zag. Everyone's saying, go get Deshaun Watson. They might say, give us J.J. Watt. Because this team loves to build from the trenches out. Watt does that for them. They've shown the desire to go out and get a guy like a D. Ford who can help this team go out and get the quarterback. And I think the biggest connection to me here is Demeco Murray, or Ryan, excuse me, uh, as, the new, as the team's new defensive coordinator. I'm not sure if you saw this, but when Ryans was named the new defensive coordinator, J.J. Watt tweeted at him, congrats, couldn't be happier for you. Now, to me, and to many others, you look at it and you go, okay, it's just a tweet, who cares? But there's obviously a relationship there. They both played in Houston together. I think Watt would be an instrumental upgrade and a wonderful fit in San Francisco to be a leader for Bosa and Ken Law and this defense who is losing a ton of leadership. And he'll actually be on the field and healthy unlike D Ford. What do you make of the potential of trading for JJ Watt granted and knowing you'll have to get rid of Jimmy and drafting a quarterback in this year's draft? I'm intrigued. I mean, obviously he can play inside and out. So, um, you know, he could be the address like you said across from Nick Bosa. 
I feel like, I mean, DJ Jones is going to be a free agent. So, you know, there is a little room opening up. Kerry Hyde is going to be a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Once again, we don't even know what's going to happen with D4. And I love having a speed rusher across from Nick Bosa. So that'd be my only slight issue is he's not like, I want someone with a little more bend and speed across from Nick Bosa. But at the end of the day, J.J. Watt gets done. I just think what this defense likes to do, you get Nick Bosa back, you have Kinlaw, you have Armstead. That's three out of the four guys you need. I, I just think what Watt brings to this team, knowing what I know about D Ford, knowing the next surgery, knowing he is just now getting back into the gym, knowing he hasn't really had a chance to rehab all season due to the neck injury and due to the shoulder injury and how it's been almost a danger not only to his football career but to him longevity after the NFL knowing how serious it is I would assume D Ford is done in San Francisco for the betterment of himself and his health but I think JJ Watt on a lower salary cap hit obviously you have to rework some deals but I think he would love to be in a place where um, there isn't dysfunction and the end of his career isn't wasted by a rebuilding franchise like the Houston Texans I mean, it's a contract here, so I don't think he's going to demand very much. But again, I mean, imagine how crazy that would be. Imagine that press conference in your damn head right now. Board on his trade for J.J. Watt? Oh, my God. I feel like a schoolboy right now. If that's the case, I don't think the Niners are getting Deshaun Watson if they're trading for J.J. Watt. I think it would be you're getting rid of Garoppolo, drafting a quarterback in the first round somewhere, and then you're getting J.J. Watt to then complement the defense and then you're bringing back Trent Williams, you're bringing back Barrett, Mosley, K1, and you're kind of running it back with kind of a an altered defense with a rookie quarterback, maybe Zach Wilson. And if they're going to get Zach Wilson, you might as well go out and get J.J. Watt and bring the whole band back together and run it back for 2021. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we already talked about it. I mean, Richburg, Ford, if you cut, I mean, Enziocha is uh, like a one point five million, but those three guys combined are like twenty six million dollars if you get rid of them, give or take. Um, and once again, we talked about Garoppolo is another twenty six million, and then on top of the twenty twenty five uh, in cap space already have right now, the Florida Niners can can have seventy five million dollars in cap space before, say, possibly trading for a Watson. So you can still re-sign Williams. Resign Jason Verrett and still then and then fill out the rest of the roster with with draft picks and and, and lower cap hit kind of veterans. So I, I still think I think the 49ers can easily make the cap space to be able to kind of do what they want. Well, they definitely can, and, and Adam, that that's the beauty of the off season for San Francisco. And uh, I want to tell everybody out there they can follow you on Twitter at a 49ers Outsiders, and you can also follow the 49ers Outsiders literally at 49ers Outsiders on Twitter. Uh, they give a great look on the statistical side of 49er football. Adam, I want to thank you for joining us today on the 49er Access Podcast, and we definitely hope to do this again soon. Hopefully, we have some more answers as to what the Niners do this offseason. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Definitely, my man. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me, Sterling. I appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for today's edition, this week's edition of the 49er Access Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access. Twitter is at 49ers underscore access. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. You're not going to want to miss a podcast this offseason. It's going to be hot. There's smoke. There's mirrors. There's rumors. The stove has been turned up to 11. And you're not going to want to miss a thing on the 49er Access podcast. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. Stay faithful. Stay faithful.